0: Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball.
1: Well, welcome uh, to episode number 316. Almost Cooperstown, and we're really happy today to uh, have guests because we don't get them that often uh, on our podcast. And and, uh, Gordon and I have uh, been able to bring in Jean Fruth, who is a uh, renowned photographer, um, and her partner in a project called Grassroots Baseball is the recent past president of the Hall of Fame, um, and that's Jeff Edison. So, um, Jean and Jeff, welcome to the podcast.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Mark. (laughs)
1: thank you for uh, being here yes Uh, grassroots baseball um, you guys started this a few years ago and the book that we've been privileged enough to take a look at um it's amazing by the way um is the second of two books and and what might be a series and maybe you could both talk to us a little bit about how this came about and then where you see it going as you come through the second book which was just i think released earlier this spring
2: Yeah, Mark, when um, I I still shoot the major league game and I have shot the major league game and the professional game for a long time. And while doing that, I always took time and still do um, take time to shoot the amateur game, the grassroots game. So while I'm shooting the world baseball classic in Japan, I would shoot uh, a little league game in Tokyo or if I'm you know, shooting Winter League in Cuba, I might wander the streets and, you know, look for baseball, which you can find it everywhere. And um, and I just did that for many years shooting in Texas. If I'm shooting, you know, playoffs, I might find a high school game somewhere or a college game or even a pickup game, you know, on the streets of New York City of stickball. And and it's the amateur game that I love. And it was a personal project that, you know, I've just continued continued to do, and when I started working with the Baseball Hall of Fame as their traveling photographer, I had the opportunity to meet uh, many of the Hall of Famers while I was doing projects and taking portraits, and I came up with the idea of them telling their stories, some of them telling their stories of what it, what it was like playing baseball in their young younger years, in their early years, in the towns that they come from, and tying these amateur um baseball images these grassroots images to those essays and that's how my first book grassroots baseball where legends begin came about and Jeff Idelson was working with the hall of fame at the time as his president and helped connect me to the hall of famers and it was just a terrific start Um, and it it was never meant to be a book you know it just turned out to be to be that the first hall of famer I asked was Ricky Henderson because he's close to home for me and He said yes immediately and went right into a story of, you know, his mom wanting him to play baseball and he wanted to play football. And the story was just I couldn't record it fast enough, you know, to get to get started. And um, after that book came out, um, Jeff announced his retirement from the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I reached out to him and said, what do you think about growing grassroots baseball into something more, into a not-for-profit. I'm at a point in my life that I'd like to give back and give back to the sport that's given me so much, back to my craft. And he loved the idea. And we got together and formed grassroots baseball into a not-for-profit.
0: I think that's one of the most interesting things about grassroots baseball is that you, got, you can take it from the lowest level of baseball, not lowest level, but the most basic form of baseball, a bunch of kids playing stickball in the streets. And you can go all the way up to the major league level where you're playing professionally for millions of dollars. And at the core of it, it's still the same game that everybody's enjoying. So when I, I think it's just so interesting that even though it's as wildly different environments, when you're taking these photos of these games, it's still the same game. And I have to imagine it's a very unique experience, being in both places and seeing the game that way.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, every, you know, baseball is played the same, like you said, everywhere around the world it's played the same, but it certainly looks different in different places, the culture, the geography, the topography and all of those things, the fans that are watching, you know, the players on the field and how they play the game just you know, what they look like and and just the, the culture that surrounds the game is what's interesting, the stories. And there's so many stories around baseball. It's, it's what makes it the most interesting sport, in my opinion, is it runs deep. The culture runs deep and the connection to generations run deep. And so there's lots of stories to tell and telling it with pictures, you know, just makes it a blast. So when we started this new project, we said, well, why not start along Route 66? It doesn't get more Americana than Route 66 and baseball and put those two together and the thing is and you guys know this because you're talking to people all the time when you start talking about baseball everybody has their baseball story that they want to tell you mm-hmm. i'm never tire of hearing those stories oh i got my first hit for this my dad took me to my first game and i got to see hall of famer you know you know future hall of famer you know make this catch in the outfield and and their memories i mean they might not remember what they had for lunch but they can tell you exactly what happened you know with, with those memories. And, and it's, and that's what it is. It's nostalgia and, and, and the generations that connect.
0: Uh, I mean, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I mean, I always think back, you know, I I have so I played baseball for years all growing up into college and, you know, the the games that we played big moments. I, I mean, I always talk about how we went to a training camp down in Florida, one of my last years in high school, and we ended up getting to train with Terrence Long, who was trying to come back and end up playing in the major leagues that year. And it was he was taking batting practice with us. And, you know, as a high school kid, how often do you get to stand there and from 10 feet away, watch a major league player take batting practice? and it was like wow he hits the ball over the fence with such ease like i have to swing (laughs) as hard as i can to even have a shot to get it out there and he's just like it's like he's just flicking him out there like it's you know a sunday afternoon for him it was just so it was so cool to see that up close like that and i imagine that's like for everybody everybody can remember a game they watched or they were at or played in and that's what this book is kind of going through and collecting from all levels so Jeff, did you
1: yeah. I'm sorry, Jeff. Did you know these, you know, these guys that you know all these quotes? And I love the 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 text of what these things. It talks about you know, Ben just talking about what it was like to grow up in Oklahoma and how why Mickey Mickey was named for Mickey Cochran, which I did not know. Mickey Mantle, the Commerce comment. So did you did you get to talk with these guys? And more importantly, when you had them do this, did you get to like go to dinner with them afterwards or something like that? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and talk because I, I'd love to be in the room, you know, and just hear what they have to say.
3: <laughs> well i spent a lot of time with them over the over the years yes of course so a lot of the stories i've i've heard before but to see them come together and have these guys write these beautiful heartfelt essays that really tie this book together wonderfully with gene's images those stories never get old and you're right it's johnny bench talking about you know his dad drove a propane truck and uh you know he's sitting he's sitting on uh you know his Couch with his dad watching game of the week, and the you know the broadcaster says now batting the the next the, the great switch hitting outfielder from Commerce Oklahoma Mickey Mantle and bench turns to his dad Ted and go at the age of four and says oh you can be from Oklahoma and play in the majors I mean how does that ever get old yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know George Brett talking about being the runt of the litter among the four Brett boys with you know Bobby Ken who made the majors before him and John and wondering what he was doing in Cooperstown to. Uh, you know the, the great words that Jim Tomey talked about, and the value of family, and his parents coming to see him, and making those long road trips. The fact that he was discovered on Route 66 uh, at Lincoln Land Community College in Springfield, Illinois. So these guys have great stories. It's wonderful to share them. That they're sharing them with Gene's images, and for those that pick up the book and look at it, it really is a story of boy, if I if if I can do this, anybody can, and that's the feeling you get when you read this book and look at the photos.
1: I Those think that's really also right, too. Oh, like, yeah. The, the, the writing was like, like, I don't want to say surprising because that, that's going to mean if I, I don't know, I didn't know that they could. But they write eloquently and, and thoughtfully. Um, everybody from Adam LaRoche to, to all that. That's like, wow, I, I didn't know they had that, you know, because you never heard them really speak like that or talk in this context. So I think that's a real aspect that goes so well with with the with the, uh, with the visuals.
0: And I also think that one of the aspects of it, you know, looking at this is like you said, having the book in your hands and looking at the photos it's such a different experience than looking at it on a cell phone or a computer screen. Like when you can see it on the that big print really out in front of you, you can have such more an appreciation for the level of detail in these photos. And I think that's like a really important part that can kind of be like baseball in a way is a very old school game. It, you know, we still listen to the radio broadcast to the point where people prefer that a lot of the time. And so I think, you know, even though you could look at this in a variety of ways, actually having it in front of you really gives you a much deeper experience experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything I I love Instagram, of course, and seeing and I get to see more of my friends images than ever before. But it's just that it's instant, right? You know, we look, we swipe, we swipe, we swipe, we swipe, we're not even reading the captions. We're moving fast. It's gone. It disappears. Something's there the next day. And, you know, I teach sports photography as well. And I always just stress to all the students is buy the books of your heroes. You know, those 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 old fashioned books, those old those books with Neil Leifer and baseball and, you know, these great photographers that are out there. And when you hold it open and you have the paper and maybe just keep it open just an extra minute and just take a look at the details because you do notice the details nice, big on a page printed and just slow it down and you'll see so much more than you, you know, and and it makes you better. I mean, that's the way I learned. I learned through looking at books, and I have lots of photography books and certainly lots of sports photography books. and uh, and I still look at them, get ideas, and 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 I love the classics more than than anything else, but that's just me and my my training.
1: We, we kind of cheapen it by sometimes by calling it a coffee table book, which in some means to, in my mind is like, is that a pejorative or, or I, I'm not I am not sure. Uh, but but they do. And Gordon, I don't think Gordon has a coffee table, by the way.
0: No, no think- I do not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so but when I was a kid, I the first baseball book I got as a gift when I was 11. I I'm to check how old I am. I think it was 1971. Um, uh, this great game um and and it's it, it's so it's 50 years old and it was basically one of the first like you know f- uh, athletic photographer shots of bench and and brooks robinson in these really graphic senses in a color book there were no what do you call double trucks that's what you call which was very interesting i didn't know that then we call them spreads in the are but but you call them when they go across the page and you've got a lot of that um in the most recent book uh, route 66 and i think those are really amazing you know to look at when you see those things um, and and so this great game was made me when I connected that to this, I'm like, oh, I know what this is. I still have that book, so you know that's how you know how much it meant to me.
2: Yeah, so great, and and it really just just shows you how I mean just the memories it brings back for so many people and then today's game is alive and well just shooting along route 66 and the, the we we our first year we started in chicago ended in santa monica we had a an rv we had Glo- Rawlings baseball gloves for kids and balls and Big League chew gum jeff did all the driving of this big rv all the way through even in downtown chicago it was quite impressive um cuz i couldn't do it i would it wouldn't be good um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and and we we just had a blast, like visiting all these small towns and seeing that baseball is live and well, and at the younger generations and going to these little league fields in Baxter Springs, Kansas, and opening day and seeing the stands filled with parents and and grandparents watching watching the next generation come up and, and play baseball. So uh, it warms the heart, and and that's what you see in the book too. Is just all of this you know, these young players, high school, college, you know, just all the different levels of baseball and all the great minor league ballparks that are in our country. You know, they're just fun to visit. And I always tell families, if you want to have a great time and not have to spend a lot of money. You can go with a family of four, you know, and go on taco Tuesday and, and, you know, you get a deal and go sit on the berm and have fun and watch a game.
0: Yeah. I, I, I when I was a kid, you would always set up uh, the part of our thing when we were Little League. I don't know if this was just something you organized or something the whole Little League did, but our, our whole team would get together, drive about 45 minutes up to New Haven up the road and go to a New Haven Ravens game, which was a Colorado's Rockies A affiliate. We would get to go on the field and you know, all of us would be there at the game. We got to watch uh, Todd Helton play there at one point before he ever came up to the majors, which was really cool that we got to see a young Todd Howard playing in New Haven. But yeah, the minor league baseball, like that it, it's I mean, you even see it now with with grassroots efforts like the Savannah Bananas, you know, it, it, there's such a hometown element to minor league baseball that if you haven't been to your closest stadium, I can't recommend going enough.
2: It's so fun. We just went to a new one for our new project, Women in Baseball, and we went to the Ferry Hawks. And you could take the ferry from New York to Staten Island, walk to the ballpark and be at this beautiful ballpark with a view of New York City and the water. and it's like it's incredible. And it's not expensive and it's a great time. You know there's so many great minor league ballparks, independent league ballparks. Um, and so you know and and, and they make baseball fun. you know that's that's what it is. And it's and you can see great ball, like you say, you see players coming up, you know, that uh, they're just starting out or maybe they're down rehabbing and you have a chance to get to see, you know, one of your favorite guys and for a fraction of the price and have a great time. Jeff,
1: I wanted to ask you something that that struck me. And and one of the things I watched, you you talked a little bit because I think it's Gordon and I feel similarly. You talk about betting on baseball and, and the focus on betting baseball betting and and we were watching on the weekend i think the apple tv feed mm-hmm. and of course they have the odds this of the odds of that and then they've got the running line on the bottom of where you are in the game what the betting line is as it changes depending on what's going on in the game um and and i think you said it's a slippery slope and and i i think we'd agree um we can't stop it right this is this is the this is good this is the way it's going Right. Every sport is is about that. But um, what would you say, you know, baseball has to really be careful about and that would show that it's gone a little too far? Can you can you pick out anything that you might, you know, describe as I don't want to see this happen because it would be too much?
3: Well, you know, as someone who doesn't really gamble or get it, I already I kind of think it's too much, but then again, there's a large, large chunk of America that loves it. And they, 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 that it, it drives them. And if that gives them some form of interest in baseball, that's great. The slippery slope I worry about is, you know, if, you know, cracking the, you know, you worry about if if something goes sideways for baseball because of the, you know, potential for greed, whether, you know, if a player ends up getting in trouble like years and years ago, you know, when they had gambling and they took it out of the game, uh, or, you know, you wonder what would have happened, uh, you know if the astros uh, scenario in 2017 had been after they had you know struck a relationship with the gambling industry so it's a slippery slope that way i i don't really like i said understand the gambling that much but it's meaningful for people and if that gets them connected to the game in some way and keeps them riveted you know i can accept that and and from baseball i mean it's probably it's it's probably the second biggest revenue stream now outside of broadcasting and wow. continuing to go north
1: wow yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is. We have to accept that it's not going anywhere because I do think it's brought a lot of younger people It, it keeps them interested in what's going on. And maybe they don't have the patience like I do to watch the, the whole game just for the sake of watching the game and enjoying the game itself. They, you know, they have to have a stake on it, you know, and, and, and I, I can't touch that, but it doesn't mean that it, it, it isn't right for a lot of other people. Agreed. So, um, Gene, I wanted to ask you, um, you were shooting during the pandemic season. And I I think I saw that. So um, it was very different. And and I would assume um, not just that there wasn't a lot of traffic at the ballpark, I think you mentioned. um, But did you get to have a different relationship with the players because there weren't fans in the stands when you were shooting things? I mean, was the interaction different or was it like it normally is because it's still a baseball game and they're focused on on their jobs and what they're doing?
2: Yeah, During the pandemic, we were actually shooting in the stands because uh, so we had to be one step removed from the players. So we actually missed the players during that one season. You know, we weren't able to they didn't have anyone, even the team photographers. You know, and eventually, you know, there was tier two and tier three and we worked our way back onto the field. But that very first season, we were all just in the stands um and uh with the cardboard cutouts which was very strange you know just um and you you could sit they gave you like it depends each ballpark did it differently so there was like designated seats in some places sections or whatever and the giants there was like a seat open right next to this couple that i know it was their cardboard cutouts i was always sitting next to my friend rick you know (laughs) This is so strange, but <laughs> um, but, you know, but uh, I always, you know, always something good always comes out of things like that. And for me, it was getting these different angles that I never had before. So I took advantage of that and being able to move around. Obviously, when there's 40,000 people in the stands, you can't you know, nudge somebody out of their seat. Now you have all these different angles available to you, and you could shoot anywhere. You know, you're not blocking anybody. You can stand up. You can go high. You could be the, you know, the very first seat. So the the positions ended up being terrific, and it was a very relaxing environment. There was no parking issues. You know, nobody was there, so you could just pull right up and <laughs> park your car and go in. So, uh, but then it got tiring, and I felt bad for the young players because the energy, you know, of not having the fans, and they piped in the. Music Music and they did what they could. They piped in the fan sounds. and But after a while, you know, it's kind of funky. And so when we got back on the field, everybody, I think we just all felt so grateful that we could be back. And, you know, like you, sometimes you don't know what you, what, what does Joni Mitchell say? You don't know until it's gone, right? But, <laughs> So uh, when it was gone, we got it back. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm really happy to be back here and grateful that we're back on this field And because the connection to the players just wasn't there. And in baseball, you make such great connections, you know, move slow before the game, the batting practice, you know, in the dugouts. And those connections are real connections year after year they see you they get to know you you chat with them and you get much different images because of that you get more intimate portraits and you get a lot more from the players you know with relationships over the over time as a photographer so um i miss i missed uh that season was was tough in that way
1: the um the first book that you guys uh did the uh the one where you were in the Dominican and Cuba. Maybe talk about that because, you know, this, this next book, which is Route 66, which we're talking about, um, I, I haven't had the chance to look at, through at all the photos. I've seen some of them of the original book. So talk about that project uh, before you came into this one.
2: Yeah. I mean, with the, the first project, um, it, it was, it uh, was, It was wonderful to, to you know, travel to these hotbeds of baseball and just see the cultural differences of baseball, you know, baseball in Texas versus baseball in Cuba, in Florida, and just showing all the different levels. So in that way, the books are similar. But all around the world, being able to see what baseball looks like places like Mobile, Alabama, there's five hall of famers from Mobile, Alabama. And, you know, and, and it's not. That doesn't big,
1: include Tommy Agee and Cleon Jones, by the way.
2: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but it's, it's it, you know, and and I made some pictures there that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really um, just so proud of. I was just shooting uh, at Giants and Mets were visiting, you um, And the manager of the Mets, who you know very well, um, uh, who's doing very well, he said, Gene, what's 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 your favorite photo that you've taken in the last few years? And I told him about this photo I took in Mobile, Alabama, of Hank Aaron's house, which is still intact. It's a museum now. And I asked five historically uh, all um, African-American uh, high school baseball players, if they would come to Hank Aaron's house, I only had one day to do it. I looked up when they all like didn't have a game. Four out of the five teams showed up. I asked them to come in full uniform and I posed them at Hank's house. We left the rocking chair open uh in honor of Hank.
1: Fantastic.
2: And we, we talked about, you know, the barriers that Hank Aaron broke and the barriers that these young players need to break now and, and, and what it means. And um pictures like that, you know, being able to make make pictures like that and and uh you know mean a lot and, and makes the book an evergreen book, you know, grassroots baseball where legends begin, you know, still sells and um because there's it's you know it's it's pictures in there that um you know that tell stories, you know, all around the world in Japan, you know, where um and and what it's like and uh the little league in Japan and and minor league baseball in Japan and uh, they're there, you know, just those stories. And so people who are interested in baseball and baseball around the world, like that was just a, a great start. And you know, the images go back years and years because it was, you know, not wasn't set out as a book project. You know, the grassroots baseball route. Sixty six was a three year project. This one was, you know, you know, a lifetime of work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sort of a grassroots growth for a grassroots, you know, organization, right? It kind of, you know, came up without, you know, me being designed that way. Um, Now, you guys are on the road, obviously. I think I saw you're going to be in St. Louis um, or scheduled to be in St. Louis with Jim Tomey, Um,
3: I think. No, no, we get Ted Simmons in St. Louis. Ted
1: Simmons, of course. Well, why would Jim Tomey be in
3: St. Louis? (laughs) Well, we get Jim Tomey 13 days later in Cooperstown. Ooh, oh, Cooperstown! Not, not, not almost Cooperstown, but Cooperstown. Ah, ah, he, very he, good. Got to make it there. <laughs> Thank
1: you. But more um, uh, interesting enough, you're going to be in New Jersey at the end of this month. You're scheduled to be there, and I am going to make every effort to be there and to meet oh, you guys and so. get my signed book. Right. Because, you know, one of the things why if you want to buy the books, um, you should really buy it off grassroots dot org uh, because it's way cooler. Number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, you get the signature in there, which you may not get if you buy it someplace else. We want you to buy the book. You should. But it doesn't matter. But but if you buy through the organization. Also, I think the, the, the money is going to funnel a little bit better for the kinds of things you guys are doing, you know, with the the, the uh, org itself. Uh, and maybe you could talk just a little bit about, about that before we uh, before we run out of time in terms of yeah, what, you know, uh, the org. Yeah,
3: yeah no, it's, uh, it, you know, buying them from our website is great because I signed copy from Gene and there's uh, which is which is really you know great to have in the book. And we don't charge for shipping and uh, and the proceeds that go from book sales when they come through, when they're purchased through our website or at an event we're at. Uh, the proceeds go back into the program. So it allows us to continue uh, to grow grassroots baseball, to reach more kids, and to promote the amateur game even more.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, like I said, unless uh, something happens that I don't understand, I will get to meet you guys in person. I'm not sure if Gordon's going to be able to make that one, but um, I, I look forward to to that opportunity. And and thanks a lot for joining us. The books um, can be found at grassrootsbaseball.org. Uh, the most recent book is Route 66. And I have driven across the U.S., Uh, I think eight times uh, in my life. So I have traveled a great deal of Route 66, which isn't, you're kind of going next to it when you're traveling on 44 in Missouri and and wherever you are. You can see it it goes under the road. It's on the other side. It's over here. It's still there. And you can, you see people driving on there, you know, that are kind of going the old school route. You can do it.
0: Just just like baseball, it's a piece of America.
1: (laughs) So... Thanks, thanks so much for joining us, guys. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on uh, when you release the next project.
2: Love it. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at OlmosCoop.com.